0: Hello, and welcome to 120 Outdoors, where the conservation-minded outdoors men and women explore all things hunting and fishing in the lands and waters that make it all happen.
1: Join Chris and me, Don Klaus, as we discuss the outdoor world in our 120. But wherever you are, we think you just may find this fits your 120, too.
0: folks Uh, welcome to 120 outdoors and this is episode 50 believe it or not don 50 episodes yeah we're getting down the road chris (laughs) i can't believe it's been 50
1: (laughs) but we do have a good show planned for today we do and uh we have come pretty far down the road but first thing we're going to do is back up the road a bit and uh give a refresher on what we're all about of course our name is 120 outdoors and what that means for us is doing things close to home close to uh within 120 miles two hours of our place and we have a we're blessed with a lot of fine bodies of water in that area that we can fish and uh one of the things we are not is uh fishing on the simple or or hunting on the simple but uh today's episode is is kind of about that um simplicity is enjoyable and one of the things simple is staying close to home Another thing simple is not having to drag a boat around yeah that's the truth especially with gas prices you know up and down all the time it's crazy yeah i think uh i think when we started this gas was high and guess what it still is yeah it hasn't gone down much for sure so uh, not only uh is it nice to be able to fish close to home uh it's nice to be able to do it simpler uh as in on your feet Nice to save that gas, but it's also nice when you can catch big fish yeah, in that simple way. For sure. And that's what today's guest is all about.
0: Yeah, so let me, I'll tell the uh, listeners a little bit about our guest here. His name is Jim Morrison, and I've, I've known Jim for quite a few years now. He is a, a musky fanatic, steelhead guy. He loves I know he's just got into turkey hunting. I know he's a deer hunter, too. Uh, but one of Jim's specialties, and, and how I got to know him, is he, he catches big fish out of small water. And uh, we've been trying to get Jim on the show here for the past couple of years, and I think it's it's a perfect time of year. I mean, it's May. Everybody's looking for places to fish, and, and believe me, I'm I'm sure every one of our listeners has places close to home that they could find big fish on, in small water, and Jim's going to take us through that, and it's a really good interview, and it was great talking to him. Yeah. It's great to catch big fish anywhere you can get them. That's em. right.
1: But uh, in the small waters that that Jim likes to fish, you can sometimes get away from people, and that's something I like to do from time to time, too, is uh, yeah, get out where people
0: aren't. Well, he mentions that, too. He even said it was under necessity. He started fishing small water, you know, close to home uh, because he couldn't afford it. At the time he was in school, he couldn't and just got married, couldn't afford all the, uh, the boat and everything else. And he fished with a lot of his buddies on Lake Erie and fished some other bodies of water. But he always was drawn back to that small water and catching big fish out of it. So um, I really enjoyed talking to him, and I thought it was a great interview so
1: yeah i gotta say chris I, I have a boat i have a canoe we have some fine bodies of water that yep. uh, that we can fish around here i still like just grabbing a rod and the boots and going there's something comforting about yep. doing,
0: doing it that way well, I, I told you before it's one of the reasons why i like steelhead fishing so much it's just it's for, for me i try to simplify it it's just my waders my fly rod i tie my own flies and that's my day you know I'm not dragging around in a boat and everything else, and it's it's I, I like walking anyway, you know you're constantly moving, and I know that's part of the appeal to Jim too you know he he likes being out there and in the nature and, and you know wading in the water and everything else and it's all part of it and you said it with the nature you know when you're on your feet when
1: you don't have a motor humming behind yeah, you yeah, you get to absorb uh, a lot more of what nature has i i off. agree I agree get a little fitness walking around yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's nice. So you ready to jump over to the interview? Yeah, Jim's got a, he's got a good
0: story for us, and uh, we think you're going to like that. Our next guest on 120 Outdoors is Northeast Ohio angler Jim Morrison, and Jim specializes in catching big fish um, out of small water. And uh, Jim, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah,
1: welcome, Jim. Yeah, hey, Jim, we know. That it really doesn't matter what species you fish for we know that uh there's a lot of waters and some of those are small that that hold big fish and uh with that being your thing we wanted to know how you got started uh going down that path of of the the small water big fish
2: certainly yeah you know like uh, a lot of people who fish you know i had friends who got me into the sport and a few of them had boats um you know and that it really introduced me to uh you know big game fishing quote unquote you know fishing for muskies or you know even for for big smallmouth bass on lake erie things like that um but over time you know i i didn't have access to a boat so you know i'd be on foot um with my rod and reel and hiking my way from um, spot to spot Uh, i remember you know growing up my mom would actually drop us off at a river um, access point and then pick us up about four miles downstream um you know, about four hours later, five hours later, so
0: nice It sounds familiar, you know, just, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, those were um you know just a matter of uh trying to find some water that you know people aren't on and um you know getting getting to fish that maybe haven't seen lures before um, you know those opportunities are are certainly out there for everyone,
1: yeah, uh, we're absolutely we're all about doing things close to home and and doing them uh. Oh, this isn't a uh, cheapskate outdoors it's 120 outdoors but it's nice when you can do it with
0: what you have and you know if that's your feet and a rod in your hand that's good yeah and don we were talking um uh, before we even called you here jim we, don and i were talking about just locally close to home for don and i there's quite a few waters that we haven't fished we know there's big fish in there and i'm not going to name them obviously but um we just haven't had either time to do it or uh, I should say we should make time to do it. We should. There's yeah. a lot of stuff to do. Sure, and it's I, and it's not just us. I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast has the same thing, Jim. It doesn't have to be connected to the Great Lakes. It could be any tributary, uh, or any river, or any uh, spillway, or whatever from a from a, a reservoir. I mean, I'm sure, right? There, there's big fish in all those areas,
2: correct? A- absolutely, yeah. Mus- Muskie fishing, in particular, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania both have pretty phenomenal stocking programs right now. And all those stock lakes have spillways behind them. They have, you know, moving water between them. Um, those are fantastic opportunities to, to get a backpack, you know, throw 10 lures in a box and, and make your way into the the, the woods. Um, you know, any of the rivers that do touch the Great Lakes, you know, not just Lake Erie, but virtually every Great Lake that has moving water, um, I guarantee it tracks muskies. So. You know, the ability to get to those areas and um, honestly, Google Earth was arguably one of the biggest things that, that changed the way that I fished or found new places. You know, get on Google Earth, find the find some deep holes that you think might hold some fish and, and give it a shot. You got nothing to lose.
1: Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask what you're looking for, but uh, we do have a lot of waters. I, I have used Google Earth, so that's a that's a really great start um is is that the extent of um what you use to to do your homework on that
2: yeah i mean and you know we think about the lakes that are stocked that have moving water coming out of them some way in a spillway um you know we've uh, we've caught fish doing those types of trips um and then we've we've caught fish on exploratory trips where you know we'll we'll use google earth and um just a couple other tips that i found you know when you're looking for a spot um Creeks in particular, creeks have some type of magnet. So if you have a big waterway with a creek nearby it, those holes, because if you think about any of those rivers when they freeze up or when they do get a bad storm and kick up to 6,000 cubic feet, you know, that's that's a lot of water moving through there. And those fish have to have somewhere to hide. So part of me feels like it's part of survival. And the other part is, part of me feels like that's maybe where muskies are spawning. So you know, if you have a big reservoir that has a spillway behind it and there's a few small creeks there, um, those fish are going to use those creeks to spawn. They were likely born in the small water. And the moment they hit a spot that gives them everything they need, which is security and food, right? A, A river fish really, um, they don't have the opportunity to move around to feed, right? So it has to be a good enough size hole that supplies food and gives them some security. Um, you know, they're, they're just like any other fish. They want to feel safe and um, either in structure or a little bit of depth where they can, you know, hide down towards the bottom. But, yeah, creeks creeks are magnets. If, if anything I've found over time, um, they certainly attract fish.
0: Now, now you mentioned, too, you're uh, getting into to, and finding some of these waters. Um, is there any other tools you're using? Are you using Hunt Onyx by chance? Um, the hunt on x map at all yeah app at all do you use yeah. that in conjunction with google earth
2: we certainly do yeah okay. and part of it is oftentimes just finding who owns property okay and knowing the right person to maybe get access from
0: okay that was my next question jim because that's one of the my concerns a lot of the areas of course would be maybe under a metro park or a state park but there may be a, a situation like that where you'd have to knock on a few doors uh, to get access to the creek so you do use that that's that's a that's a great point
2: yeah exactly yeah and you know what we'll find is you know if i ask somebody hey we're really not going to be fishing here um we're actually looking to hike up i'm just looking for somewhere to park my vehicle and not get my windows broken um you know that often goes pretty far so yeah uh, yeah. you know just being able to get down and, and get into the river is is a big part of it
0: absolutely now, now let me ask you, are you because I, I know you're still head guy like myself here and uh, you like your waiters too are you are this is this a trip for waders, or are you taking a, a kayak with you or are you just taking some muck boots and fishing from shore what 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 are you looking for in some of these trips here like which, yeah, what great, should we plan
2: great question great question so gear wise So we have done canoe trips where we want to cover a lot of water and, you know, fish eight or 10 holes that would be virtually impossible to get to, you know, in a day. So we'll pack up one or two canoes um, and and make those types of trips. Um, You know, we're not typically canoeing when it's cold out. Um, We'll do that this time of year when we're starting to get some warmer water or sorry, warmer air temperatures uh we all started honestly in the the worst possible shoe ever i think to wear outdoors which would be a croc um your feet you know when you're hiking in a river uh, they're certainly comfy around a camp or something like that but we uh we wore those um in the summertime with basically basketball shorts hiking across rivers and
0: um,
2: (laughs) trying to do that but yeah this time of year when the water's still cold uh, i'll certainly bust out the waders um the best shoe that I've found, though, if you're going to hike and be in the water and, and get in and out of the water, uh, Keen makes a shoe that um, has an enclosed toe. It dumps the water out really quickly. And if you do get a, a pebble or something in there, you can take them off really easily. So, you know, some good footwear does go a long way um, in wh- what you can do. and uh, I have stories of wearing a pair of Crocs, and you'll take a step, and you pull your leg out, and you lost your whole shoe. Yeah, you
0: know, no more Crocs. 18
2: inches into mud.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would happen to me first first time out, I'm sure. Yes. yes. So these Keens, then,
1: that's shoes you'd wear in the muck or on the, on the ground, everywhere. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's yeah, they're perfect for, for that type of hiking and uh, getting in and out of the water, but still giving you the mobility to walk, you know, four or five miles in a day
0: okay, so you're not taking waders with you when it's warm out. you're using these these keen boots or shoes. I think I know which ones you're talking about too, yeah, okay, I bet in the wintertime, of course, honestly obviously you'd be using some kind of wader, uh breathable That's right breathable, probably breathable, not neoprenes, right because you can be able to move a little better in breathables,
2: yeah, yeah, I, you know I'm the I'm the only guy I think out of my buddies that I still wear the the breathables year round. I don't uh. I never switch to the neoprenes anymore. I just I don't either. I don't either.
0: Yeah, I, I love the breathables. <laughs>
1: I do. Well, the, the canoe is interesting cuz one thing we've learned in in prior discussions is, you know, in Ohio in particular, the you don't get to wade uh, you know, the landowners can't owners, touch the bottom. Right, right, right. But you can float. So the canoe That's
2: correct. A- yeah.
1: addresses that. Yeah. Especially in Ohio. That's right. correct.
2: Right right yeah and if you use some teamwork you know one guy can keep the boat stable and the other guy can cast um we've we've caught fish doing that before um you know and honestly typically the 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 bigger holes that we're fishing you know you don't really have to worry about the canoe sweeping down the river you know we we get into one of those bigger holes and you can take eight or ten casts and then you know move on
0: yeah but that's a good point yeah
2: canoes are a great way to uh to get to places and um you know, find. In fact, I even took a salty, a downy salty, and put it on the side of a canoe. And I've caught a fish uh, with about ten feet of line out on a bucktail, just paddling my way down the river through the hole. After I saw unbelievable, fishing. yeah,
0: that's crazy. Yep. Yeah short line and in a small water. Yeah, that's right
2: that's crazy <laughs> hey you know what what i
0: want to do next or the next uh, round of questions here jim Let, let's narrow our focus down a little bit to this time of year since this is our may show let's focus on let's say you're you're fishing for for big fish in small water during the month of may june and july you know this summer early summer months what what are we looking for here now okay and let's just say we are going to be fishing for muskie or big toothy critters muskie, pike um you know something like that what are we looking sure. for here as far yeah, as equipment, so, what are you taking with you? Bait casting, spinning. What kind of gear do you use? Leader material or leaders at all? For, for, you know, go through the whole thing with us.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, I basically have two rods that I bring um, when I d- take those kinds of trips. One is uh, an eight foot six. The other is a nine six. Both are telescopic. Um, that's really helpful to have that telescoping rod when you're moving around the woods, so you're not carrying around a you know a nine foot six stick through the, the brush and things like that. So, both of those, I think one's a St. Croix, one's an Okuma, um, but that telescoping feature is, is super helpful. Um, you know, aside from that, I use, believe it or not, the smaller size reels. Um, on one rod, uh, on both my rods now, um, my hiking rods, so to speak, I have 300 size tranks. Um, okay, one's I can see that.
0: I can see that, sure.
2: Yep. Yeah, one's that's... the high speed and one's the regular. Um, it's just because you simply don't need that big, big reel um fishing that that style of bait you know right, we're never, right. i'm never throwing a pounder i'm never throwing anything you know really big so those little reels um i find them to be perfect for, for that style of fishing and uh, certainly go 80 pound or heavier braid and that is strictly because of what you're doing and where you're going you know, you'll cast a an $80 glider into a tree. You'll cast that $30 bucktail into a tree or or snag something. Um, I can say, I, I mean, I've had a few snags that I couldn't get out, but that's pretty rare. So I really recommend like 80 pound braid with um, an 80 pound fluorocarbon, heavy duty snap. Cause you know, when you do get a snag on a rock or something, it really helps to be able to pull those out and, yeah. and keep your bait.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's so some of the baits you're looking for now too. So you're you're talking you mentioned glider and you mentioned bucktail. Is that all you're taking with you? Is there something else that you take in your arsenal?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you think what river fish eat and how opportunistic they likely are, um, you know, they're typically more aggressive, I find, than than fish in a lake that can swim around and find food anytime they want. Um, so a few of my favorite baits, you know, bucktails obviously they work everywhere for virtually every species of game fish. Um, a big change for me, no pun intended, a big revolution for me was those Kramer brothers, Revos. And that is simply because when you throw them, the moment they hit the water, you can start turning your reel, that bait's moving. Um, you know, with a, a double eight or even a double nine or a double ten, when you throw it, we've all had it where the blades maybe lapped and you got to give it a really big crank to get it moving. Well, during that time frame, your bait maybe sank to the bottom and snagged up or you you, you missed a third of your cast there. Um, So those and then the 10-9 staggers and the 8-9 staggers, they seem to start up, you know, instantly with no pull. So I really like those, Um, you know, all season long, you know, fish will eat those. You just fish them slower or faster based on the water temps, Mm -hmm. um, gliders, you know, uh, probably my favorite glider for this style of fishing because again you always have a have in the back of your mind you're willing to lose what you're throwing you know so um i've got some baits that you know i'm not willing to lose and other baits that i am because they're easily replaceable so like the hellhound puppy the small hellhound mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a really great size glider starts up instantly um you know every time you cast that it bellies out instantly because all that weight so that's a great bait to throw um, and then topwaters. You know, those fish use the surface just like normal muskies use structure. If you think about all the critters that are making their way across the river, um whether it's a small duck, a snake, um squirrel. You, know, you name it. Yeah. Chipmunk. Small, yeah. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. yeah, Small muskrat. Um, you know, anything up on the surface that gets their attention. And that's also uh, a tip for, for anybody who's fishing, you know, if, if you traveled somewhere to fish and you know, the water's super muddy or moving quick, I've caught fish in chocolate milk on, you know, a prop style top water where I thought, Hey, I, you know, I don't have a chance here to catch a fish because they could still find it, you know, based on the sound.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. It's another yep. edge. It's just like we like to fish the weed edge. Well, the, the top, the surface is another edge, you know. To a muskie,
2: yep, absolutely. You know, they know if they chase a fish up high, they are they got a good chance to eat it in the river. And, um, yeah, so those. And then, you know, a bait that's often overlooked is um, just a simple swim bait. You know, a jig head, a single hook jig head, and a big rubber swim bait. Yeah, and You can do a lot with that bait, whether work it slow, burn it. Um, but, yeah, th- those are some of my favorites. And I'll just pack one of, the, pack one of those Plano um, I can't remember the size, the musky size. Yeah. I think it's 3,700. 3,700,
0: yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm like? You're not taking the big lake wood out there. No. <laughs> no.
2: Jeez. No.
0: No. You could float on that lake wood if you brought that thing out there.
2: That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, the uh, the necessary tools, you know, your cutters – um, if you're fishing for these types of fish, whether it's a natural waterway or stocked, you know they're they're rare in the water, right? In, mm-hmm. in those small bodies of water, so it's critical to take good care of them. You know, I, I use the the Nipex cutters. Um, another tool that not a lot of people talk about that's really good on getting hooks out is a um, the the style of pliers with the angled jaws that that allow you to. Oh to yeah, get in there. I know
0: what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yep. I have a pair of yeah. those. Yep. The real long but, uh, ones, yeah. The real long ones yep, with that with angle that jaw, angle.
2: yep. Yeah, those are helpful. And then, you know, obviously we're not taking a net with us. I know they do make small nets. That's like what I was just going to ask master. you. So, so
0: you're basically hand landing these then?
2: So we're not. Um, I okay. use the the dreaded boga grip. Okay. Okay. I can show um, I can show people photos where, you know, not only do we get better control of the fish, and we're able to get the hooks out easier, but with those smaller fish, they legitimately never leave the water. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm not talking the cheap one. You can't buy the $30 Berkeley Boga grip or any of those cheap off brands that don't rotate. You, you know, you'll break the fish's jaw. If you're holding that fish and that fish decides to do the gator roll, you know, you will break its jaw. So I see why people complain on them, but I think part of that flack is towards the cheaper versions, you know, the standard Boga um, that does the rotation, that, that, you know, keeps your hands out of that fish's face. Um, in fact, go, going back, really good story. Um, the first time we stumbled upon one of these waterways that had these big muskies in it, um, we went, we, we hooked a fish, and we were so excited, but we didn't have any gear to land it. And that fish proceeded to bury a hook from a jackpot. Um, I'm sure anybody in the muskie community in Ohio knows Gabe Rossblock.
0: Oh, yeah. But yep.
2: buried it into Gabe's finger. And so one side of the jackpot was in the fish.
0: Oh, uh, man. in
2: hooking the fish, and the other one was in his finger, Ooh. where we had to cut that fish off and, and make our way to the hospital. So oh. we learned real quick. Those fish are spunky. Those river fish, um, man, they, they live on a treadmill. They... <laughs> they have something else going on sometimes yeah, they've been working out
0: just by well, where they live yeah they're like a they're wild fish, yeah, and no one's that's very right. no one's bothered bothered them in many cases, so yeah, you're right those fish are a little they're not as uh how do you want to say it conditioned as some of the reservoir fish that see everything you throw at them and have been caught a few times
2: that's right.
0: So that's interesting. Now, now let me guess, this is, a, this is the next question here dealing with, let's um, okay, see, so we're talking that May, June, July time frame. What are you looking for as far as, are you looking for after heavy rains, before heavy rains? Is that a tool that you use, like you're watching the weather? Like, okay, I know when this, this blows out that this creek will be very good um, as it starts to clear. Is that something you're looking for too, Jim?
2: Absolutely. You know, you think um, as hard as those fish are to catch in muddy water, they're having the same challenge that you are catching them catching bait fish, right? So when that that water is brown and muddy for a week straight, those fish are likely not feeding a ton. So when it does clear out, um, it can be really hot. You know, when you get onto a bite where um, you had a couple of these spring storms roll through, things have been really muddy for a week or even two weeks straight, then all of a sudden things start to drop and and get stable again that's a great opportunity to go and try because they'll have the feedback on like i said they're they're certainly much more environmentally opportunistic as i would call it right so so much of how they feed and what they do is based on their environment right versus a muskie in a lake really they're they're very um i don't want to say hard to catch because they're you know we've caught tons of fish in lakes but sure the idea that um they have a unique window of feeding opportunities right so that they can't they typically don't let an easy meal go by so those are great opportunities like i said when it's been muddy for a long time finally clears out um you know we'll we'll get in the you know to some of our spots and those fish are super fired up sometimes
0: yeah, see that makes total sense to me. Yeah, they, know, they, 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 prob- yeah,
2: they, they probably feeding.
1: Need, probably need the extra calories too because they're always fighting,
0: fighting the current. Fighting current. Sure, that, that's
1: right. That a lake fish is not. That's right. Well, uh, you've told us a whole bit about muskies, uh, so I think we kind of know what your favorite uh, technique and species is. Uh, are there any other species um, that you would fish for in the summer? I, I know. Uh, uh, you fish the steelhead, but uh, any other species in in our freshwater here?
2: Sure, sure, yeah. So I have two um, two young boys. My my sons are three and seven. One thing that we've loved to do is we'll fish off the um, the beach or the walls um, off of off of Fairport Harbor here uh, for catfish. We'll put shrimp on the line, and they catch a giant catfish out of Lake Erie like 10 and 15 pounders pretty consistent wow
0: wow that's as big that's, as they are
2: that's a fun little <laughs> bite we've come across right because there's not a whole lot to it we put a sliding sinker um a three out hook on there a big chunk of fresh shrimp i just buy a bag of frozen shrimp and uh those big cats will eat them up so the kids love that
1: um, i'll bet
2: <laughs> Jeez, yeah that's but a, the
1: that's a big fish for a kid
2: it is it is um my sister has a boat down there a pleasure boat so uh, it's not i had to find a way for the kids to fish off the pleasure boat and still catch fish and catfish is a great way to do it they've caught some giant sheephead too um but yeah uh, you know most of the time that i spend in the river is uh for muskies or steelhead um just this past week actually i I caught a couple big steelhead swinging flies and in the same hole that i was fishing i saw a muskie. um there was about 500 suckers in the bottom of the hole and i saw a little 32 and 30 maybe 34 inch muskie chasing around suckers down there so that was pretty cool yeah
0: that's crazy that's crazy. i was uh, swinging flies this week too for steelhead and i did get into a few um doing the same thing jim yeah
2: yeah I i had my best day ever on the swing um Tuesday afternoon, um, I went five for seven, which swinging flies. That's that's, that's great. Really
0: yeah, that's great. That's a lot of fun. Now you using a, a single hand or two hand spay?
2: I'm using a two hand switch rod. It's switch a, rod, okay. An eleven footer. you yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's good stuff there.
2: You know, I always shook my heads at my buddies. I, I grew up steelhead fishing with the bait rods and the center pins and all those, and my buddies who swung flies and they catch two, two or three fish, and I'd catch twenty five and I'd shake my head at them, what are you doing? And then I caught one one time doing it, and I said, all right, I get it.
0: It, it is addicting. It is, because they're chasing those flies.
2: That's right. You're yeah. getting the most active fish out of the whole pod there to come out and smash it.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool watching them hit it, too.
2: Oh, yeah. You watch all your slack just <laughs>
0: pull it, it, out instantly. something
1: else, man. Now, uh, Jim, we know you've gotten the big fish in the small water, but any, any big fish, really big fish stories to talk about in those waters?
2: Yeah. So growing up in the tackle shops around where I live, there are always pictures of big fish and, um, you know, there'd be muskies, there'd be the occasional Northern pike. Um, I actually have the photo now, uh, that was given to me from the person when she, um, took all the photos off her wall, uh, who owns the bait shop. But um, it was a 52 and a half inch 43 pounds muskie out of a small small river um are you kidding
0: me seriously no
2: dead serious wow yep it's it's an absolute giant um my personal best out of said river is 48 and a half um solid but, you know i'll take yeah, it. i'll tell you 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 catch a, a 38 in there and you you as you're looking at the fish and letting it go it's it's always astounding seeing e- even a small you know relatively small 40 inch muskie um, when you let it go back into where you caught it it's it's always pretty astounding to see where they come from and and they just thrive um you know, they're, they're very good river fish
0: that's interesting Interesting. You know, the one thing I would like to do, Jim, is is back up a little bit on that original question I asked you. But let's say let's just uh, say one of our listeners lives over in outside of Pittsburgh somewhere. And what exactly should they be looking for? And they want to get into some of this small water. And you mentioned some of the tools you use. Is there anything? I mean, we we talked about the the Google Earth and Hunt on X. um, And is there anything else? And you mentioned that maybe below spillways, um, major tributaries of the Ohio river and the Allegheny probably would be a good choice, correct?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I I would look for some of those tribs off of, you know, backtrack, look, look, look at areas that, you know, have really good musky fishing and then maybe backtrack and try to find your way up to some of the smaller rivers that those fish can easily make their way to. And I can almost promise you, you'll, you'll connect with something, um, in that system, right? You know, they're, if a fish finds its way into a small Creek and it's not getting casted at every day and it has food and it's not, you know, fluctuating flows, um, you know, drastically every day, they have no reason to lease. You know, there's been some fish caught here in Ohio. Some of the ones even below the spillways in our stocked reservoirs, you know, 50 inch class fish that um, I promise you they weren't 50 inches when they came through the tiny little gate that, you know, that that dam has. Um, You know, they were likely much smaller and they've grown to that size in the river. So, yeah, I mean, uh, start, you know, obviously not. I wouldn't dive into private land instantly. Right. Start with some of the public parks and, you know, see see some of those areas that have a creek and um, have some holes. You know, when we say a deep hole that's all pretty relative right so if it's a a little creek coming off of a river that you know has muskies and there's a hole in there that is up to your chest well there's probably a muskie in there at some time of the year whether it's when the river's up or you know maybe they made their way into that creek to spawn and they're now kind of making their way back down um you certainly can connect with them during those those transient types type trips
0: yeah, that's that's a great point. I also liked how you mentioned to backing up. Like, um, so let's say for example, we're looking at the Allegheny River. Okay, that's along Western PA. Their giant river system. You could look at one of the. You can just start going up the Allegheny River, looking for tributaries off of there. There's several of them. You know that you could start to to look and see if you have access first, like you mentioned. Maybe there's public land there that you can get access to some of that water and some of those i'm thinking i don't want to name a whole lot of these but maybe french creek all right, right. yeah french creek is a great, great one yeah french yeah. creek might be something i mean i can I'm, i don't want to clarion river i mean I, i'm thinking of a couple other ones um that are tributaries that they're not not allegheny they're not big like the allegheny but they're tributaries to allegheny um so that would be a great start wouldn't it jim i mean something like that
2: Absolutely. And and you got to assume some of those fish in the Allegheny that I've seen, you know, those blimps. Yes. You know, they're eating a lot of those trout that are stocked over there. I mean, you guys have a big, aside from the steelhead stocking systems, you guys have a big trout stocking program over there and a trout to a muskie is about the most perfect food on earth. Um, you know, so any of those waterways, uh, you know, it, one other thing I didn't mention about the baits. Um, I, I truly don't, know if you can go too big in terms of like when we talk um like a jerk bait um and like an unweighted suik or a bobby bait those are another one i didn't mention Mm -hmm. but you know you can keep them really shallow yeah but i wouldn't hesitate to throw a nine ten inch unweighted suik or bobby bait in a small creek you know you'll run it through there a couple times if there's an active fish it's going to eat it
0: that's interesting yeah wow really interesting
2: yeah you don't what I've seen people, you know, show up and say, hey, I brought my river baits and they're all look like you shrunk all your standard muskie baits, you know, like a, yeah. a little four inch or six inch suik. And the reality is those those fish are probably even more predatory than a standard muskie. They're more opportunistic. If a wounded 12 inch fish or 14 inch fish swims by a 30 inch muskie, it's probably going to whack at it.
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: those guys are probably just scared of losing that big money bait uh, <laughs>
2: also true smaller
1: also is true. cheaper well
0: yeah but like you mentioned oh jim a suik i mean they're relatively easy to find mm-hmm. you know they sell them everywhere so you can find suiks and some of these other bucktails and even maybe a spinner bait even might be a good choice and top water's relatively spinner bait. you know
2: yeah that's another one i didn't even mention that's a fantastic choice because that single hook, or maybe two two mm-hmm. single hooks, upward facing. Um, you know, the thing I do with those is I'll typically throw a grub tail on the back, give it a little more razzle dazzle, so to speak, and uh, yeah, those work great.
0: Yeah, I could see that too. Now let me ask you now, Jim. So we're we're getting into the summer months here now. Are you pursuing these things all summer? Can you fish these like in, even into August? When sometimes we get those drought time you know, drought periods during the summer, like last, last summer, we had like an eight week window. We had very little precip. Is that better for fishing or would that be worse for in this situation? It
2: it certainly makes finding them easier. You know, they will seclude to, you know, the few sections. Now, one thing I found is as river fish, um, I've been walking, you know, across the river knee deep and I've watched a muskie blow out of a two foot deep hole. Um, part of it feels like they may sit in that faster water sometimes when the water, I mean, cause we're talking hot water at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Especially a river. Um, so a, we're super careful about where we fish and if we are going to fish for them in that hot water, we don't take the fish out. You know, it is moving water. So it's very oxygenated um, compared to a reservoir or standing water, but yeah, it, it do- certainly makes it easier. You know, when you suck down that river and those holes become, Um, few and far between. They're going to find, you know, just like at a lake, right? When you look at a lake and you say, where would I sit as a muskie? Well, this point is probably the perfect ambush spot. The most, you know, the best spot for that apex predator. Well, the muskies are no different in the river. They're going to find the best possible hole for them to survive and feed. So um, it almost secludes all those fish to to one or two holes, um, you know, in certain areas. So We've had multiple fish days, you know, when the river's low like that. Yeah, I
0: thought I thought so too. Yeah. that's what I was thinking. Concentrators. Yeah. That's a makes sense. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. And any uh, any any stones that uh, we haven't turned over uh, with your techniques?
2: Yeah, I mean, just the the stories that I've had over the years. One of my favorites um, was a forty six incher that my friend caught um, trying to catch another friend's hat so what <laughs> really good story here um you know so we always hear hey muskies have no fear i think short lining baits is the perfect proof of that you know yeah. hitting the bait yep two feet away from your prop um but th- this particular story is fantastic we're, we're we're making our way across the river and this particular spot we were fishing um has a pretty deep hole it's it's about up to your chest and we're in t-shirts and shorts it's in the middle of summer and we're making our way. We had already fished. So we're making our way back out of the spot, hiking out of the woods. And my friend slips and falls, and he goes totally underwater. So he's got his rod in his hand, his backpack. He slips on a rock, and basically, you, could, you guys just picture that he just disappears for a second. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so my other friend who was in front of me, I'm, I'm the middle guy, and then my other friend behind me, Jason, was the one who fell. Well, Jason's hat came off, and the current is now taking it away from him. So he turns and yells at my other friend, Tim, that's with us. He says, Tim, catch my hat. Keep in mind, three grown men were just stomping across the river. The hat is 10 feet from where my friend is now at. He casts his bucktail to try to snag the hat. Well, the very first cast, he misses the bucktail, takes two cranks. You, You guys envision what's happening here, you know. He casts, and he misses. So what does he do? He starts reeling as fast as he can to get oh. that bait back, so to get another cast.
0: To get the hat, right.
2: Well, about three cranks in, the rod bends in half, and he catches a 46-incher. Oh, get out of here. Wow. Right in front of us. I mean, oh, I could have cannonballed. I could have cannonballed onto the fish from where I was standing. Wow. Um, And that I think that goes to show, not only are they fearless, I think they're curious. I think what happened was the fish maybe heard us or heard the big splash of my friend going underwater, and took a couple tail kicks over to see what it was. All of a sudden, sees this flashy bucktail and eats it.
0: Unbelievable! Ah, uh,
1: just it sensed a feeding opportunity Absolutely. with all that commotion.
0: That's a giant fish. Was it a heavy fish too?
2: It was, and you could tell too. It was old. You know, it was yeah. it's a natural forty-six inch big wide head on it and uh, wow, you know we were just shaking the three of us were were mind blown at that one that's so crazy. that was a really good one
1: that fish was the boss of the whole absolutely there.
2: absolutely you know and that that brings up the other question you know we fished that spot dozens of times before that and the one question i still have that remains is you know do they truly move around? You know, do they go up and down the hole? Did that fish live ten miles up? And when the river kicked up to a thousand cubic feet, it moved. You know, a couple miles down to find better spots. Those, those are the things that I'd love to. Um, you know, I don't want to share it with anybody else, obviously. But I'd love to tag <laughs> one of those fish and, and you know, see what they actually do because that, that is the most interesting part to me. Is, you know, the fish came from a hole that. Uh, I mean, I've been fishing it a long time. So, you know, you wonder, was it there the whole time or did it, ma- did it find its way into those, you know, good spots naturally?
0: That's interesting. I, I would guess that
1: there's some movement because a fish that size oh, yeah. could really clean out a hole. And, oh, yeah. And need to find other food.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That, you know that leads me to another question here. As far as have you have you noticed them? Have you ever seen them spawning early in the year, Jim? You know. Oh yeah. Oh, you have. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we've had them. Um, we've had one fish follow a bait in, and the moment it stops you know, or kind of kicks off a little, boom! There's the partner. You know, right there, and they slither their way up a bank. Um But wow. yeah, we've we've seen we've seen them paired up, and obviously, you know, we don't want to mess with them at all. Right. So the moment right. we do see them doing that I've, I've seen that several times um you know and uh, again when 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 you fish these types of areas that have all these species um and I, I can't help but feel like more connected to it when you're in the water when you're walking yeah you know you see you I, a part of it feels like you see more um one of our creeks here that gets stocked with steelhead this is another good story um it was stocked just a couple days before we went fishing and we didn't know that it was the stocking date or anything. We were actually steelhead fishing. But what I witnessed were muskies chasing steelhead smolt. The 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 trout had to be absolutely terrified. They've lived their whole life in a tank. They get <laughs> dumped into a river. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden, they're they're the food.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, and delicious, too. It, yeah, toothy yeah. critters chasing them. That's for <laughs> that's sure. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I... You know, I love fishing on foot, and uh, I, I think there's so much more to it. You you get to beyond the fishing. I'm sure you get to see and hear all the sounds of everything going around the river. You know, that's uh,
2: yeah. Bald eagle flies by. Yeah. You see, you know, beaver. And don't get me wrong, fishing from a boat certainly challenging. I've I've oh, had yeah. many boats and yeah. controlling a boat from the bow. You know, not that's another side of this too that we're not talking about. It's pretty relaxing. You know you don't get to the lake and oh dang my battery's dead or you know i dinged my prop there's not a whole lot to this that can go wrong so that's another side of it that the simplicity the ability to get out get a get a fish or two um and then you know go on with your day without all that effort of of the boat and all that those other pieces um
0: you know what really appeals to me uh, this whole thing, Jim, and, and you know exactly what I talk about this, Jim, as far as the pressure a lot of our lakes get. It's nice to go somewhere where you don't have to worry about fishing pressure or someone else being there before you. Um, that is, and I agree with you, that is relaxing. And if you could take your time and do it right, you're not being forced, you know, to, to do something quickly or or half-assed, you know. And, and you, sometimes you just want to be alone. Yeah, you just want to, yeah, <laughs> instead of having 15 guys around you, you know.
2: Exactly. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: That appeals to there's, me. It really does.
2: There's something really cool about, you know, even catching the fish by yourself, and you know, not having anybody to take a photo, and um, you kind of put that one in your own personal bank. And yeah, you know, I, I'm sure everybody knows this with the hustle and bustle of life and kids. And um, in the summertime, oftentimes I'll just throw a rod in the bed of my truck um, with with my canes are in there, my backpacks in there. If I have an hour between you know, school drop off and my next work meeting, you know, I've caught a fish, you know, on the fifth cast and had a smile for the next five days. Right. That's
0: that's cool. That's cool.
2: It's an easy way. And, and even the lakes, I mean, um, a lot of the lakes that are around here, uh, even the stock lakes, you know, they have opportunities for you to get with a backpack and walk and catch fish, especially this time of year. Right. So, um, any of the lakes that have a big rock dam or, um, you know areas those rocky shoreways you know when it's sunny all day those rocks all heat up all that water's two or three degrees warmer that's a magnet this time of year and you know i'm sure you guys have seen those pictures of guys holding big fish on rocks um it's you know just another way to do it without a boat you know you can certainly go get out there and catch them
1: we applaud your methods. We're a yes, great, for, great fan. We don't always do the simplicity, but we're no. great fans of the simplicity. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Right, right.
0: Uh, for sure. Is there anything we missed, Jim, that you would like to to, to leave with our, our listeners?
2: No, no. The only other uh, real addiction that I've fallen into is uh, toothy critters and game fish in saltwater.
0: Oh, and, boy.
2: You know, just a short message there is, you know, a lot of us in Ohio and Pennsylvania, end up taking that one beach vacation a year Mm -hmm. Um, you know and I'm sure everybody likes to catch you know big fish you can catch a really big shark off the beach with not a lot of investment there like less than 300 bucks for a, a rod and reel that'll last your whole life and every time you go on one of those beach vacations you can you know make a memory that'll last forever
0: that, that's a great point. We're going to have to do a podcast on that because all of us take that trip down to Florida or the Carolinas during the summer. Yeah, it's not necessarily our 120, but, hey,
1: there's nothing wrong right. with reaching out yeah, once
2: in a while. Yeah, we could do right. that. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that uh, over the years, um, it actually started with musky gear. I, yeah. started, I took a musky rod to the ocean and threw a chunk of fish in there and caught a fish. So
0: That's crazy. Um, I remember you shared so, you shared some pictures of uh, the shark you caught. I think it was last summer. Uh, yeah it was as big as you uh, or bigger <laughs> than you yeah, it's kind of
2: crazy, yeah and that's, um, crazy stuff it's it's still along the same mindset though right you don't need a lot of investment um you know typically one or two rods is all we'll fish and and inevitably run across something
0: yeah no that's there's good a stuff. whole lot
2: to the ocean though with the with tides and all that fun stuff but yeah. Yeah, we've got a much more simpler up here in, in the Great Lakes and the freshwater yeah. we fish.
1: Yeah, a lot of attraction to the ocean, though. Well, a lot, t- lot t- of mystery.
0: T- that's right. I'll tell you, as far as um, fishing up north here in, in these, this small water, I mean, you got Don and I thinking, as I mentioned, we were talking before, we even had uh, called you this evening about some of the potential spots. And, and, and my mind's racing now after talking to you about spots I want to try um, that we haven't even touched. Uh, so. Um, I think that's going to be the same for many of our listeners too. They'll uh, they'll be thinking about spots that they would like to get to that possibly have big fish. So we we thanks thank you for your time tonight, Jim. It was a great podcast. Yeah, and
1: thanks for sharing, Jim. Uh, that's that's a, those are good insights and uh, and that's a good message to to try and keep it simple and you know see what you can find.
2: Yeah, that's right. And again, it's all it's all relative, right? Uh, a forty inch muskie out of a small creek. Um, to me is just as rewarding if not more so than a 50 incher out of a place where you know there's hundreds of 50 inchers absolutely right
0: i agree you know you're likely
2: the only person who maybe ever laid your hands on that fish or whoever will lay your hands on that fish so um it's all relative right
0: yep that is so cool it really is well very good jim don do you have anything else no okay
1: no it was great talking with you jim and uh we wish you the best with your, uh, the summer that's approaching yeah. fast here. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I, I love the podcast, by the way. I, uh, listened to the last one on the turkey hunting last year. I got into the, the turkey hunting with my son and, uh, wow. Is, is that a whole nother level of addiction too?
0: It is. I'm, I'm hooked on that. I've got so many other things I, I'm interested in too, but turkey's one of them. It, you're right. Hopefully it'll be better this year than last year. The numbers, I hope. Yep. We hope you get one. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. We didn't get one last year, but just, um you know, them gobbling back and, and getting that type of interaction while hunting. I think that was uh, really cool for us to experience. I,
1: I agree. That's that's like your fishing. You get to interact yeah. more with the fish in the waterway by being up close. Like that's
0: that. right. That's right. Well, very good, Jim. Thanks again, bud. We appreciate your time. Yep. Thanks, Jim. Thanks so
2: much, guys. Yeah. Have a great night.
0: You too.
1: Thanks for listening to 120 Outdoors and our monthly podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave us your comments while checking out our Facebook page.